who serve such an amazing God. And I think, you know, you, you, we, we do these hymns today, and uh, God wants us to know his love for us. He wants us to know his love for us. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. going to start in verse 1. And I think, I think you'll see, um, God wants us to know that he loves us. Starting chap- Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, But as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Father, we just we come before you this morning, Lord. We ask for your your help this morning, Lord. We see I, I see just in the songs that we've sung that you want to remind us how much you love us, Lord. That the way we live our lives, it's a response to what you have done for us, Lord. You love us so much, Lord. Help us to hear, Father. Open our ears that we might receive what it is by your spirit you're speaking to us, Lord. I pray you'd guide my speech now. Um, Use me as a vessel, Lord. Speak your truth, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, kids might be a little nervous right now. We're starting out with children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, Paul, he's writing this letter. I want to give you guys a little bit of background. Last week in in Sunday school, we covered uh, parents, uh, husbands and wives, and and, and marriage at the end of chapter 5 there. And, And... before Paul gets into telling children, obey your parents, he, 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 he writes the first three chapters of this. This book is split into two parts. The first three chapters, Paul tells us all that we are in Christ Jesus. And then in the second three chapters, he shows us what our response should be. And Paul, he's writing this letter from prison. And in chapter 1, he describes who we are in Christ he tells us that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That he's chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That he's predestined us to adoption as sons. And that it was according to his good pleasure. That he's made us accepted in the beloved. That we have redemption through his blood. That we're forgiven of our sins. That we have the riches of his grace abounding towards us. That God has revealed the mystery of his will to us. That we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of the promise. We're guaranteed heaven. I don't have to doubt my salvation. It's it's guaranteed if I'm in him. In chapter 2, he tells us who's doing the work in us. He tells us that uh, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, yet he made us alive. That he's raised us up, and he's seated us in the heavenly places. And in the ages to come, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace. We're his workmanship. You're his work of art. He's prepared good works that we might walk in them. He's brought us near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have access to the Father. Jesus is our chief cornerstone. 
And then as he gets into chapter 3, he begins to reveal his plan to us. He's given us understanding by the Spirit of God that we might understand the fellowship of the mystery. That he brings us together to make us into one body, the Jew and the Gentile, that we might have true fellowship with the Father and with one another through Christ by his Spirit. He strengthens our inner man through his Spirit. He dwells in our heart and he's grounded us in his love. He makes us holy. It's impossible to exhaust his love. And if you're you're here today in Christ, he wants you to know that all that is yours. If you're a believer, that is yours. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. And I I would exhort you, if, if you don't know that, get in and read Ephesians 1. Go back and look over what what God has done for you, what he's made you, what you are. All of that is who you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ today, that's not who you are. Yet by simply believing upon Jesus Christ and his finished work upon the cross, that's who you can become in an instant, in a moment. Eternity can be yours with the Lord. Forgiveness can be yours. And so... I believe the Holy Spirit directed Paul to lay this out in such a manner that we would understand who we are in Christ, how much he loves us. We, we have sung about how much he loves us, how we can trust in Jesus. In chapter 4, he's going to begin to tell us what our response should be. He's going to tell us what a proper response should be to all that the Lord has done for us. That we might respond to his love by living our lives by his spirit in such a way that brings him glory. It should be the love of Christ that compels me to live a godly Christian life. Christianity, it's a response. And in chapter 4, Paul exhorts in verse 1, he says, I therefore, in light of all that God has done for us, in light of who you are, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I'm begging you, to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. God has called each one of us into this relationship with him and given us the power to be in that relationship and to walk worthy of the calling. And so in chapter 4, he's going to begin to, he begins to tell us. He says to, to walk in unity. That's a worthy response, to walk in unity. To use our gifts. He's given each one of us in this room. If you're in Christ Jesus, you have a gift of the Holy Spirit. He's given you a gift that you can minister to one, to one another. Use your gifts. He, he exhorts us in chapter 4 to put off the old man. To put on the new man. To forgive one another. In chapter 5, he, he goes on to show us what a worthy walk is. To walk in love. To walk in the light. To walk in wisdom. To redeem the time. We're to be filled continually with the Spirit of God. And led by Him. And most of all, we're to be a thankful people. If we went around and polled the people that you work with, would they say you're a thankful person? We're to be being filled with the Spirit of God. And and I tell you what, if you're filled with God's Spirit... It's going to affect the way you interact with people. And that's what what Paul was getting to uh, in Ephesians. It's going to affect our relationships. And and last week in in adult Sunday school, we talked about the relationship between a husband and a wife. A godly husband and a godly wife. How the man is the head and and the wife is, is to submit to the man. The man is to love her as Christ loved the church. And how God empowers each of us. And how God intended marriage to be a picture of his relationship with uh, Jesus and his church, his bride, the church. He, he wants an intimate relationship with us. He's the head. He gave us self, himself for us that we might be his. He made it easy, right? He gave us one command. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands, right? Respect them. Not always easy things to do. And yet God says he'll empower us. God says it's a worthy, it's worthy, walk worthy. It's worthy to walk in such a way. Men, it's worthy to love our wives the way Christ has loved them, to lead our families. 
And now as we get into chapter 6, he's going to show us what a worthy response to Christ's love is for children. He says in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so we're addressing children. You might not know if you're in that category today, but if you live with your parents, right? If they're still the ones supporting you, you fall into that category. It's not an age requirement there. This goes, if you're, if you're at home with mom and dad, even if you're in college and they're still, you're still under their roof and under their authority. It says here, to obey your parents in the Lord. In Colossians 3, 20, Paul addresses the same thing to the church of Colossae. But he takes it even a, even a, a higher level there. He says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord." And and all means all, and that's just what it means. Um, we talked about that in Sunday school. In all things, kids, you're to obey your parents. We, we talked about. Uh, 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 Judy came up and asked me before the service, uh, what are you teaching on? What would be a good song? And Pastor John and I told her, oh, we're teaching on children, obey your parents. And Pastor John says, ah, well, we should end with obedience is, you guys know the song from camp, right? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly as the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key, do it immediately. And joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Can you spell it? Oh, be, I, I can't do it. I'll get it wrong. Miss Judy can do it, but I need to follow her lead on that one. But you know, it's a simple children's song, but there's so much truth in it. You know, it's the way uh, you can show that you believe by obeying. By obeying your parents. And and the motivation he says here is to obey your parents in the Lord. Obey them in the Lord. You know, in Colossians it said, this is well pleasing to the Lord. Do you want to show him you love him? If, If you've believed upon Jesus Christ, if he's your Lord and Savior, kids, he loves you. You don't have to earn his love. He loves you. Sometimes we feel like maybe we got to earn our parents' love, right? Sometimes we feel that way because they don't rightly represent their love towards us. And yet God says, you don't have to do anything to to earn my love. I love you. You're my child. Yet there's a way that we can show him we love him. To to respond to his love. And and it's by obeying your parents. And uh, we do it unto the Lord. And I don't know all of your parents. Some of them may be godly parents. Some of them may not be godly. uh, But you're to obey them as unto the Lord. You, you do it to honor the Lord because he's made them your parents. Obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. If your parents, so you, if your parents aren't righteous, if, if they don't love the Lord, and if they were to ask you to do something that would go against your conscience, um, that would go against God's word, then, then, yes, you can say, you know what? Mom, Dad, God says we shouldn't do this. And I don't think I can do this. Uh, maybe there's a circumstance where your parent isn't a Christian and, and, and they tell you, uh, you, you've now believed and you want to be baptized, and they say, no, you can't be baptized. Right? Well, maybe you can honor your father and mother and be obedient to them and say, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till, till I'm on my own, and then I'll, I'll go and get baptized. Um, just, just an example there of, of two different ways of uh, maybe still being able to be obedient to your parents and yet being obedient to the, to the Lord in, in that, honoring the Lord. He says here that children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. 
Today we live in a world where it's just crazy. Uh, uh, the world wants to take the rights away from parents, right? They want to put uh, children in control. You have the right to decide, you know, whether you want to be a boy or a girl, you know, and, and they'll, the world today will allow children to make life-altering decisions that ultimately will destroy them, and they want to take that out of the hands of a parent, and it's not right. God has placed parents in that position of authority, and, and God says that's right. And, and a worthy response for a child is to obey their parents. You guys remember when Jesus was 12 years old, right? Him and his parents, they went up to Jerusalem for the Passover. And, and they went to celebrate. And, and on their way back home, they left Jesus behind in Jerusalem. And he was there in the temple. Uh, and they didn't realize it. it was a big company. They're heading off and... Uh, um, Mary and Joseph, they go back to find him, and they find him there in the temple, and they're like, why, why did you, we were worried about you, basically. And he says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? But I love what it says at the end of that passage there in, in Luke chapter 2, and this is when they're on their way back home. It says, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so Jesus was obedient to his parents. He set the example for us how, how a, a young 12-year-old, uh, my, my son just turned 13, you know, he's becoming a man. And yet he's still under my roof. He needs to obey uh, me and his mother. Jesus obeyed his parents. It was right. And I can tell you, just as Jesus was obedient to his parents. He submitted to their authority. The Bible says in verse 52 that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If you obey your parents, I guarantee you that you will increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. God says right there in, in Colossians that hey, it's pleasing to me when you obey your parents. It's the right thing to do. It's what Jesus did. Verse 2, he goes on, and he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And so it's not only the right thing to do, but there's a promise there. Right? It's the first commandment with promise. If we go back to, to uh, uh, Exodus and Deuteronomy, where, where God gives them the law, the Ten Commandments, there's a commandment in there. Children, obey your parents. And there's a promise attached to it. It's something special. The first commandment with the promise. So God is making a promise to you if you'll obey your parents and honor your father and mother. So does the way that you obey your parents honor them, right? Does a, your mom ask you to do something and your eyes roll back? Oh, got to clean my room, Right? As we honor them and we, we you got those heavy feet that are going all the way up the stairs, right? The door shutting, right? Honoring our, our mother and father. The way we obey, does it honor them? Does it honor them? Do we talk back? You know, does it honor your parents? If it does, right? If mom and dad ask me to do, ask me to do something and I just go do it, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And I go do it, and I don't complain. And I say, you know what, Lord? I just want to bless your heart today. I'm going to do what my mom asks, and I'm not going to complain. God says, you know what? I have a promise for you. I have a promise for you. Verse 3, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. That it may be well with you. Right? In my house, hey, you, you do it without complaining. Guess what? You're not going to get a spot. It's going to be well with you, right? But this goes on into the future because you're learning something. You're learning to be under authority. And I can tell you that if you can learn it now under your parents' care and guidance, it's going to save you a lot of strife in the future. 
is, is what we're going to look at later on as, as we get into uh, going and getting a job. Maybe you go into the military. You know, every aspect of your life, you're going to have to submit to authority in some way, shape, or form. You're going to have a boss that's going to tell you, hey, I need you to do this, this, and this. And he's not going to put up with you complaining or stomping your feet. He's going to say, well, there's plenty of other people. Go ahead and go out the door there, you know. And so, kids, it's important. Children, it's important that, that you, you learn it now. And um, there's a blessing in it. It's going to be well with you. Psalm 128 says, uh, uh, Song of Essence, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. If you fear the Lord this morning, if you want to bless his heart, obey your parents, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you. And he goes on, that you may live long on the earth. You know, we, we teach you. Sometimes it feels like, oh, mom, dad, you just have all these rules. Don't do this, don't do that. You know, I teach my kids, don't play by the road. My, my little boys love to go because this dirt builds up right by the end of the road. They love to go there and play in the dirt by the end of the road. I'm like, don't, don't play in the road. We live out in the country. It's a country road. There's not a lot of traffic that goes by there, but when cars go by... They're moving. It's a 45 mile an hour, and, and that means 55, 60 for some people. And, and then we got big trucks that go by there all the time. And uh, I tell them, don't go out in the road, right? Stay out of the road. Get away from the end of the driveway. I put a fence around our little front yard area there to try to contain them. And it doesn't always work. Jasper has figured out how to open the porch door now, and, and he can get out. It's scary. It's like, do I have to lock, put a deadbolt on the front door of the porch to keep him from... Uh, getting out of the front yard. And yet I know, I know that if he goes out in that road, when that big double tank water truck is coming by, and that guy, is, he's very cautious because he knows my kids are there, but he may not see Jasper run out behind the van, out in the road. And his life is no longer long on the earth. And it would break our hearts if something happened to our child because he was disobedient. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Maybe you feel like, ah, you know, like our house, there's a lot of kids in the house. Sometimes kids feel like uh, they got to do all the work, you know. They're kind of treated unfairly. Oh, the little boys always make the mess, and we got to clean it up, you know. So who do you think was cleaning up after you when you were making the mess, right? But uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Obeying your parents is the work of the Lord for you. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The Lord sees your obedience. The Lord sees when you honor your father and mother, and he's going to reward you for it. He's already said, hey, I, this is a command with a promise. Now me, I'm an adult now. I don't have to obey my, my mother and father anymore. My, my father is with the Lord. My mom's still, still alive. I don't have to obey her, right? I've left my father and mother. I've cleaved to my, my wife now. And, um, but yet, I'll always have to honor my mother and father. The way I talk to them. The way I deal with them should always honor them. Whether you feel like they, they deserve it or not, whether they're good to you or not, whether they're a believer or not, God calls us. That's our place as, as uh, children. And everybody here has a father and mother. We're called to honor them. And, and uh, Timothy, for, for children and grandchildren, in 1 Timothy 5.4 he says, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. And so my mom, fortunately, she, she can afford to live where she lives. But if she couldn't, I should, it's my responsibility as her son to honor her and to provide for her and take care of her. 
And uh, fortunately, my sister lives close by, and, and my mom has just had major surgery, and she's in the hospital, and my sister's there and able to take care of her and to honor her in that way. And so we're called to honor them. If you're, and it says grandchildren, children, you know. Now, if she doesn't have, she's been a godly woman, and she doesn't have grandchildren or children to take care of her, then the church takes care of her. But otherwise, it's my responsibility to honor my mother and father. That responsibility never goes away. Now, Paul, he's going to go on. He's going to transition now in, in verse 4. And he says, uh, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so, fathers, now he's going to show us what a worthy response for fathers is towards their children. Right? It's easy. I, I don't know about you, but as a dad... I think it's easy for me to provoke my children to wrath. It really is. I mean, I can look back in my life and see times where I have frustrated my children, maybe even in the way that I've disciplined them or, or teasing them. I like to joke a lot. And uh, I really, after having kids, and then you see your joking come out in them when they start doing it back, and you see, wow, it's not so good when, when you see it yourself portrayed back in, 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 that, in that light. And so fathers, we're not to frustrate them. And, and I think we can, as dads here, we could probably all evaluate our lives and see how maybe we've frustrated them, uh, maybe always correcting them. You know, you, they can never do something good enough. You got four, four A's and a B. Well, why didn't you get an A on that class, you know? Uh, we're not to provoke our children to, to, to wrath. In uh, our words are powerful as dads. The things we say, they stick with kids. We might just say something in passing and, and think, oh, I was just, you know, just came out. It wasn't really how I feel or what I mean. Um, and yet our kids, it just pierces their heart. And it's something I, I can, well, it's something that sticks in there from a child all the way to an adult, you know, 45, 50 years later, that, that, that thing that was said still sticks in your mind, you know? And, and, and so dads, we're imperfect, right? We fall short oftentimes, and yet, you know, I said something the other day. I was really frustrated with my kids, and I said something to them the other day, and, um, and it wasn't right. And I had to go back later, and I had to say, you know what? Guys, I'm sorry. I, I was tired. I was really frustrated. But it was wrong. It was wrong for me to say that. Because it's not, it's not what I believe. You know? It's not what I believe about you. And uh, it's not the truth. This is, and, then, and then I sat with them and I told them, this is, this is what I, I believe about you. You know? And I love you. And... Uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the word. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. We don't want to discourage our kids, right? A lot of times we think, we think we're uh, encouraging them by pushing, 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 which is good sometimes. Our kids need that sometimes. But we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit when we're doing that seeking him he says but we're to bring them up in the training and admonition of the of the lord fathers mothers these kids they're eternal beings right they're going to live for eternity we pray that it's eternally with the lord right we, some of us, we, we send our kids to school to be taught how to read and write. Some of us, we, we, we teach our kids how to read and write at home. But ultimately, it's, it's the father's responsibility. Dads, it's your responsibility to train your children. To bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In Deuteronomy 6-7, it says, You shall teach them diligently to your children 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So basically, as you're walking through life, you're teaching your kids. You know, we were coming out of football the other day, me and Ezra, and there was this beautiful rainbow in the sky. And we had the opportunity to look. God wants you to remember his promises. He's made promises. And, and, and even today, we, we look, God made a commandment with promises. Right? Kids, when you see a rainbow now, remember, there's a promise for you. Right? If you're obedient to your parents, if you honor your father and mother, you're going to live long on the earth. And it's going to be well with you. What do the kids see? What do your children see, men? Right? When they examine your life day in and day out, do they see you spending time with the Lord? Do they see you loving your wife? That's how they're going to learn. That's how they're going to learn how to uh, treat their wives in the future. They're going to look and see how you've treated your wife. What are they seeing in our lives? It's our responsibility to bring them up in the training and admonition of the world, of the Lord, <clears throat> not the world. <laughs> and so how do you live your life? Psalm 74, or 78, 4 says, We will not hide them, speaking of the things of the Lord, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. Are you declaring those things to your kids daily? Man, God is so good. Me and the girls were driving down the road and we're looking at the, the clouds up there and how magnificent they were yesterday. I don't know if you got out and saw the sky, but man, God is so great and awesome. And we were just able to praise the Lord as we're driving down the road. Every day, God gives us opportunities to tell our kids about his goodness. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it, right? My parents raised me. Uh, my parents were believers. Probably, maybe I was about five years old when, 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 when they got saved. And they raised me in the Lord. And I went away from the Lord. I went very far from the Lord. And yet, as an adult, God captured my heart. And he brought me out of the mire and the muck. And he brought me back to himself. And you know that verse, train up a child in the way he should go? Every child is different. You know? We thought, we thought we had it figured out at, uh, at five children. We were like, oh, we got this thing down. We're pretty good parents, you know. And then God brought number six and number seven. And now we're the ones that make other people feel good about their kids, right? <laughs> it's a struggle. But we have to be on our knees before God, asking him, Lord, how do I train this child? Right? He's not... He's not getting it the way the other kids did. These things worked with them. It's not working with him, Lord. How do I train him? And you know what? God is faithful. If we rely upon him by his spirit, he's going to guide and direct us how to, how to train our kids. And in each one of us, if you, if you have kids here today, your kids are at different phases of life. We're just getting into the teenage years. So uh, a lot of times I look around and I see uh, some of your kids that are really good kids. And I kind of watch and see, okay, what are they doing that's, you know, their kids have turned out so well, you know? They obviously have something figured out. Um, train up your child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not de depart from it. Proverbs 13.24 He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And then I'm learning that. With, with some of my children, it's had to be right away. You get tired. When you got all those little ones running around, sometimes it's like, I don't really want to get up and deal with that right now. I'm tired, man. Stop doing that. And yet, if I don't get up and deal with it promptly, right away, he's not going to learn. He's not going to learn. He, he says, oh, I can keep doing this. Dad's, not, uh, Dad's still sitting down. You know, I say he. It could be a she. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe not. But... Uh, correct your son... Proverbs 29, 17, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Huh? And isn't it a delight when our children obey us? <laughs> when you can, you can go out in public and sit in a restaurant and eat and 
you know, your kids uh, sit there, they enjoy the meal, they enjoy one another. Oh, what a blessing it is to a parent. It blesses the Lord's heart, too, when children obey their parents. Proverbs 23, 13 says, Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Do you know, fathers, in today's world, a lot of kids aren't taught discipline, right? They're not taught to obey and yet, if we neglect to teach our, our kids to obey, the end of their life may be hell. They may spend an eternity in hell because we choose not to train them up in the way that they should go. And yet, if we do train them, point them in the right direction, it may deliver their soul from hell. It's a heavy weight. It's a big responsibility. And yet, God says, you know what? I'm going to give you the power to do it. By my spirit, if you rely upon me. Second Timothy 3. says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything we need, it's right here, to train and admonish our children. Second Timothy 3, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Guys, in the last days, perilous times will come. I read that description there, and it's a description of the time that we live in, right? You and I, we need to be setting a godly example for our kids. We need to be training them up so the world looks and they see something different. They see Christ in us. They see Christ in our marriage, as we're to be a picture of, of Him and His bride, they see Christ in, in the way our children are. I can't tell you how many times we've gone somewhere with our kids, and, and there's a lot of us, and people come up to us afterwards, and my kids are not always that good, but a lot of times people come up to us, oh, your kids are so good. You know, I'm thinking, well, what's, what are you comparing them to? Right? <laughs> Seriously. And yet people see a difference in us, they can see Christ in us. Him working in and through us. And it should be the love of Christ, fathers, that compels us to love our children in such a way. He's loved us so much. Now Paul, he's, he's going to transition on there. He, he's shown us what a worthy response is for children, right? Uh, he's shown us what a worthy response is for fathers towards their children. Now he's going to continue on with this slave and master relationship. Verse 5, he goes on and he says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ. And so bond servants, it's another word for a slave. They had slaves back then. He's saying slaves. Hey, if you're a slave, be obedient to your master. As unto the Lord. Now today... We don't have slaves, at least in our, in our country, not legally anyways. It, it, a better representation of this would be the work relationship, right? Employees, let me find my verse there. Employees, be obedient to those who are your bosses or your employers according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. As Christian employees, we should be the best workers in that place. You know, I work in a place where people are protected by the union. And for some people, that's a really bad thing. They become very lazy. And other people, that's one thing when I moved here to the St. John Valley, 
people here, I don't know if the, the coming up generations, this, this is still holds true through, but you go to other places and if they hear you're from the St. John Valley, yeah, you can, that's, that's enough for me. You can come work for me. Because people in this valley are hard workers, right? They work hard. They've worked hard throughout the generation and you guys have built a, a reputation, uh, at least throughout New England. And yet as Christians, if you're a Christian uh, Acadian, you're going to outwork everybody else. We should be the hardest workers. When our boss asks us to do something, we, he should expect it, it to get done, you know? Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. You know, I like, I like Matthew Henry says, uh, your masters according to the flesh, that is, who have command over your bodies, but not of your souls and consciences. God alone has dominion over these. And so if you're, you're working and your boss asked you to do something dishonest, you say no. You know, I have worked hard for you. I have been honest with you. I can't go and then do to another person what I can't do to you. It would be wrong before God for me to do that. And so there, there, there is a, a place to say, no, I can't do that. It goes against my conscience. But we shouldn't be grumbling and complaining when our bosses ask us to go do something, right? Um, and you might say, hey, but you don't know my boss. You want me to... to uh, to be obedient to him? Man, he's, a, he's a rough guy. He's always yelling at me. First Peter 2, he says in verse 18, he says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For it is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. So when you do the right thing, even though your boss is a jerk, guess what? <laughs> God is going to reward you. He sees that. Titus 3, 1 and 2, he says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, and showing all humility to all men. And so once the boss leaves, am I, uh, oh man, that guy is a jerk. Am I speaking evil of my, of my boss? We're, we're not to do it. Our, our, our speech is to be seasoned with grace, Right? It's, it's to bring life and health. It says, uh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. And so, in fear and trembling, I'm, I'm, uh, it holds that idea of being respectful, to treat them with respect and dignity. Right? In sincerity of heart, to be honest. And I, and I looked up the Greek word there for sincerity. It's a hapalades, something like that. But it, this is the definition here in the Strongs. It says singleness, simplicity, sincerity, mental honesty, the virtue of one who is free from pretense or hypocrisy, not self-seekingness, Openness of heart manifesting itself by generosity. Is that the way you are to your, your, your employer? Is that the way you act towards him? You know, what's, what's our motivation? He says, as to Christ, serve that guy like you're serving Christ. He's the motivator. I, I, I do what I do because God loves me. That's when they ask you, man, why are you such a hard worker? It's because God loves me. He, he's done so much for me. I can't but bless him. And I know that when I serve you in this way, it blesses him. In verse 6, he goes on and he says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And so not with eye service. That idea that uh, when the boss is working, I got the shovel going, right? But as soon as the boss steps away, you know, all right, it's time to, to sit back and joke around and talk. And you guys know it happens, right? But as Christians, we should keep on working. 
right? We work hard whether the boss is watching or not. Why? Because the boss is watching. The Lord sees, right? It says you're a bondservant of Christ. You're a slave of Christ. And by choice. When we serve our, our, our employers, our masters, when we're obedient to them, when we work hard, God says you're doing the will of God. Doing it from the heart. You want to know what God's will for you is? It's to be a productive worker, right? It's to honor him in the way that you work. We should be the hardest working in people. And in Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I don't work hard so that I can uh, make a lot of money. You know, I go in and work all this overtime so I can build my bank account. No, I'm working because I want to honor the Lord. I've already got an inheritance in heaven for me. It's incorruptible. It's not going to perish. And it's there. I'm working for the Lord. Because He's worthy. I want to be pleasing to Him. Verse 8, he says, And knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And so God's going to reward you in whatever you do. He's going to reward you. And you're going to receive it back from the Lord, oftentimes tenfold, whether you're a slave or whether you're, you're free. First Timothy says, First uh, Timothy six, he says, "Let as many bond servants are under the yoke count their masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and His doctrine may not be blasphemed." Is the way you're working at your job a given opportunity for the name of Christ to be blasphemed? I hope not. If that's so, I, I would say repent today. And go become the hardest worker in the power of the Holy Spirit that you can be. Verse 9. Now he's going to turn it around here. In verse 9 he says, And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master is also in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. You know, for a slave to obey his master, it's not a shocking thing in a Roman culture. I mean, it's expected. That master could kill you, right? You're his property back then. Children obeying their parents. That's not a new thing, right? The kids didn't have a choice. You obey or, or else. Uh, back in those days when Paul is writing this. And, and, and yet now he, he turns it around. I mean, the difference actually in those days, the, the radical thing was doing it in the Lord. The motivation for why you obey your parents. The motivation for why you obey your master. And then here, for a ruler, or, 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 or for, the, for the boss, and you masters, do the same things to them. So he doesn't go through the list, but bless them as unto the Lord. Treat them fairly. Give them their pay on time, right? Give up threatening. You don't have to threaten them. Oh, you're going to lose your job, right? I'm going to fire you. You don't get, get your act together. You know, you better work harder. You better produce more. You better come in on all the overtime shifts. Not being harsh with them. He says, knowing that your master also is in heaven. You know, we're not to abuse our power. Colossians 4.1 says, Masters, give your bondservant what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Your master is God, and there's no partiality with him. He's not a respecter of persons. Just because you're the boss of the company, God doesn't care. You're no different than the, the, the guy working in the mailroom, right? We're all, it's an equal playing field in Christ, I, I, you know. 
He's not a respecter of persons. And so, this life we live as a Christian, it's a response. Christianity, it's a response to God's love towards us. Paul has given us some guidance here in in the last uh, three chapters of how we should respond to Christ's love. It's a worthy response that children should love the Lord in such a way that they show him by obeying their parents and honoring them. That fathers should love the Lord in such a way that they train up their children in the way they should go. They raise them in the admonition of the Lord. Fathers, we live our lives in such a way that our kids can see that, that they can know how much God loves them. Paul says at the end, in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians 3.17, he says, and whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that it, 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 wouldn't, it would pierce our hearts, Lord. I know that everyone in this room, each one of us, we don't fully live up to the potential that you would have us live up to, Lord. And we know that you're a gracious God and you're a loving God and that you want to empower us, Lord. Help us, Father, to rely upon you, to understand your love, to return to our first love, that we might respond with joy, that we might be a blessing to those around us, that they might ask, why are you so different? Pray again for our pastor. We ask that you would bless him and his family, Lord. Refresh them, empower them. Lord, fill them freshly with your spirit. Bless our day now, Lord. Help us to be a light in this dark world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.